0: Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 110 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and as always I am joined by my monster hunter playing brother-in-law Ryan, how are you enjoying uh, Monster Hunter Rise?
0: I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I picked it up. Or I tried to find it at Walmart because, or yesterday morning when it opened, but they were out of it because my Amazon one is coming next Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed. I thought I would have to wait a week. And then I went to the opening of Best Buy. And I walked up like five minutes early. There was already like three Japanese guys talking in Japanese. I was hearing monster names. So I'm like, I know what you guys are getting. Nice. (laughs) And then there was like three other or four other weebs who just came at like 59. They were literally in Nergigante outfits. (laughs) Yeah. They were carrying great swords. I don't know if that was legal. And so we rushed in. We got some Monster Hunter. Um, One dude had downloaded it at like midnight and he had been playing for four hours. Hardcore fan. Yeah, I was in that hardcore, so I can't get crap for that, but yeah, it's a good time. And then I got two Monster Hunters, one for me and one for you, and then I got you, Bell, and Wonderworld. Yeah, we'll get to the games we've been playing soon, but you texted me and said, bro, they only have a couple copies left,
1: and I, I had meetings until 5 o'clock on Friday. Who has meetings until 5 o'clock on a Friday?
0: Usually me. I was surprised to hear that was your schedule.
1: Yeah, so I said, bro, I'm going to try and bust over to like a Best Buy and grab a copy, but uh, but chances of me actually finding one at that time in the day very rare and you said yep. I'll hook you up but then I started to get like the the release day jitters you got the release you ever had the release day jitters for a game no
0: well it's no. it's kind of like what when you're that? trying
1: to convince yourself to wait until a game might potentially drop in price like three days after releases but I was like you know what I I owe it to the good people at Square Enix and Yuji naka to play a game like ballon Wonderworld this project of his that he's He's been working on, he's putting his heart and soul into, and of course, we saw the original reveal a couple mm-hmm. years, not a couple years, a couple months back at the Xbox Showcase. Uh, it was a pre-show game, yeah, which was just criminal in my eyes, but I was like, dude, they got any copies of Balan Wonderworld at Best Buy? And you said, uh, yeah, they actually do. And I said, snag it. And I paid you back.
0: Yeah, kind so. of. Well, you owe i owed you money yeah. <laughs> so yeah we're, we're making the we have i don't know if you told lauren that i'm paying you back in video games and not cash. uh
1: i haven't told her that we're probably gonna keep that on the d all
0: right you can you can fork over the money to lauren then yeah
1: that's right um, but uh this is the otaki brothers yeah. podcast we got things to talk about we typically kick things off talking about our weeks how things are going and then we get into as always the games that we've been playing recently. I've got impressions of Balan Wonderworld. Ryan's got to talk about Monster Hunter Rise on Switch. So yes. we got some good things to discuss. And then, if you're new to the show, last week, Ryan and I actually started a March Madness Otaku Brothers Bracket Challenge type of deal, where two years ago, we also created a bracket, 64 games, four different quadrants, based on four different generations of video games. And we just talked for over eight hours uh, of... What was the better video game? You know, game versus game. And uh, over the course of two episodes, we talked through it all. Well, we're doing it again this year. But this time, we're doing characters from four distinct companies. So 64 characters are battling it out, Super Smash Brothers style. They're fighting to the death. And we got through one quadrant of the bracket last week, all 16 PlayStation characters. And this week, we are actually going to talk through the Xbox characters and the Nintendo characters. And then next week, we will wrap it up with the Square, Square Enix characters. And we'll also figure out who's going to win in the final four and who's going to win in the final two to take home that Platinum Trophy. Yeah. So it should be really fun. But uh, Ryan,
0: let's kick things off. How's your week been going? Good. So I ended up (coughs) taking off Tuesday um, and going up to Rick's with Ben. Okay. These are friends of yours from college. Yes, my old roommates from college. Okay. And Ben's grown a beard. And it looks awesome. Nice. Um, He's got, I didn't realize he was like beard ginger. Like he's got like an orange beard, which is kind of weird, but his hair is brown. Okay. Um, And then, yeah, so we just hung out. We ended up going shooting at a range um, because Rick is like, uh, works at a jail. And is like part of the government, so we're basically secret agents now. Nice. <laughs> and then um, we went to a bar, got some good bar food, got a burger with uh, pulled pork on it, which was amazing. Mm. And then we just hung out. Then and then I worked from Cleveland the next day. While Rick got a new TV, got some surround sound, which was great for my meetings in the background. He's just blasting. You watched the rings? No, he's he, we we're Ben's never seen John Wick. Oh, nice. Which is like a sin. So, yeah, they're watching that, um, which is a good time. Mm. And then not too much else. I mean, this week I watched Justice League, which was one of the things I was planning on watching last time we. And you watched the
1: original. You didn't watch the Snyder Cut.
0: Yes. So I didn't have like seven hours to commit to Snyder Cut, nor Mm. do I own HBO Live. (laughs) Max. Max. Yes. And um, so I watched the original, which Mm -hmm. I bought for like four bucks at a Walmart. Was it worth the four bucks? Uh, It was an experience. Okay. I feel like they tried to combine all the plot lines of, like, the major Avenger films. So, they kind of got Infinity War. They had, like, Age of Ultron. Somewhat a Civil War, but mostly Age of Ultron in there. Okay. And they did it poorly. Okay. And then, so, like, basically they made Wonder Woman, Captain America. Um, They made... Uh, Batman, Tony Stark, and then, like, Sp- or not Spider-Man, uh, what's his face? The Flash was just annoying as all sin. Like, okay. he was just constantly cracking jokes, and, like, they made him, like, the like comedic idiot, mm-hmm. which didn't play well. But they, I, maybe they're trying to go with, like, some Tom Holland Spider-Man-esque. Yeah. But it was just done really poorly, and it would make sense that it would be shitty because of the two directors, but... Yeah, I've heard good things about the Snyder Cut, so I'm excited to eventually watch that. Yeah, I'm glad his original vision kind of got out
1: finally, just given what happened during the filming of the original Justice League when he was working on it, and then Joss Whedon, of course, took over. So I'm glad it got out, and I'm glad people are enjoying it, especially for the hardcore DC fans, I know. uh, They did them dirty, you know, for sure. They definitely try to crunch 10 years worth of MCU films into like four years, and it clearly didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like the Snyder Cut was far better than the original, uh, which is good to hear.
0: Yeah, because I think the uh, Justice League, the original, they it was before, like, Aquaman and the other movies had come out. So they kind of pulled a Rise of Skywalker where they had really quick clips in the beginning trying to do backstories for everyone. That's always going to work well. And, yeah, it was just it, cinematic genius. Mm, like, mm-hmm. you have, like, one scene... With Wonder Woman saving some people, you have Aquaman talking to like being a fish, <laughs> yeah. and like Batman doing his grumbly voice and like punching a a bug. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. Yeah, the best. Sounds like movie of the year. Um, who knows? You you should eventually watch it. I, I think it'll be interesting to compare the two, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Snyder cut has a dark side in it, which is basically like a I don't know. What's his name? Superman slash, um, fuck, purple guy in Marvel World. I don't know. Cyborg? I don't know these people's names. Thanos. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good time. Good. What, what did you do this week? Uh, Nothing
1: out of the ordinary. Uh, I didn't really do much or go anywhere. Normal nice. house stuff and worked a lot. Work is still pretty crazy for me. Uh, But what I did do is around 12 o'clock each day, I'd go downstairs and just put on a record okay. and just take like a 30 minute to 45 minute lunch break and just listen to some music. And two Foo Fighters records came in the mail this week uh, that I didn't own. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the Foo Fighters, especially some of their earlier stuff, is how long, how many songs were on the album. Like I got In Your Honor and One by One. So if there's any Foo Fighters fans out there, One by One, Probably the two most famous songs on that record are All My Life and um, Times Like These. Okay. So if if you're a fan of Foo Fighters, you you know those two songs. And then In Your Honor has Best of You, DOA, No Way Back. Of course, the title uh, of the record, In Your Honor. A lot of really great songs, but I feel like kind of the B-sides and and D-sides of the album I'm discovering so much of the Foo Fighters uh, music for the first time, which is really cool nice. uh, because I feel like like Coldplay is one of my other favorite bands. And I, I literally know every single song that they've pretty much ever written. Um, and certainly their earlier stuff, I've listened top to bottom umpteen times. But the Foo Fighters, I feel like outside of their earlier hits like The Pretender and Everlong and Monkey Wrench and things like that. I'm not really familiar with, with the other songs on the record, so it's been fun to kind of rediscover that for the first time, and, and certainly a nice change of pace, you know, getting away from the computer, getting away yeah. from the game room, going downstairs, listening to some music, letting Scoob outside, and uh, getting some vitamin D. My gosh, it's been so nice here in Ohio, getting some warmer weather, feeling the nice breeze, and just going on some walks.
0: Yeah, so have you walked the dog yet?
1: No, we haven't because Scoob is really just crazy on walks. He was when we still lived in the apartment complex. And so yeah. um, it's not that he's not getting, you know, he's he's not expending his energy. He's certainly doing that because mm-hmm. he runs like a, a mad dog in our backyard um, four or five times a day. But uh, Laura and I've gone on a number of walks, which is nice. Okay, And it's cool. just a very family oriented neighborhood. Lots of young families, lots of older folks, um, just a lot of people out walking around, which is just comforting.
0: Yeah, there was a flock of kids when I pulled in yesterday to drop off the games.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So it's it's nice to see. But yeah, overall, pretty good week. But uh, it was even better week because we got some sweet video game releases. Yes, we did. So what do you say, Ryan? Let's let's get into the games that we have been playing recently. All right. And uh, why, why don't you kick things off for us? Because all the listeners, they all expect you to talk about things like Pokemon and Dark Souls and Bloodborne. But there's another series of games that the listeners, if you've been a long-time Otaku Brothers listener, they know you love.
0: Yes. And that's Monster Hunter. Exactly. So talking about Cooking Clicker. Oh uh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I kind of fell off the Cookie Clicker train, um, which is a good thing. I, I figured this would be like a two-week thing, and then I'd be—I've gotten my fill of that drug. Hey man, um, whatever floats your boat, all right? Yeah. Well, don't do drugs, but Cloaky Clicker is a nice alternative. <laughs> yeah, it's the closest thing to drugs that we can or are allowed to do by law. Um, so I stopped that, which is good. Um, I ended up playing some RuneScape this week, um, going for a cape eventually in the like year long future. Anytime
1: I log into Discord, I always see Rune Light uh, on your name, so you yes. must always
0: be locked in. Exactly. I, I never put it down. I just It's in the background when I'm sleeping. And uh, No, the problem is with Discord, because I double-checked, it's if I have it open but I'm not logged in, this is the excuse I'm going with. That's fine. If it shows that I'm on or like it's open. So. Now,
1: is it one of those things, like in Fable 3, I remember that the more... You accumulated it in the kingdom. If you didn't play for like seventy-two hours, you would still accumulate resources for those seventy-two hours. So when you're not in RuneScape, are you accumulating money
0: and stuff? No, unless you have investments. So there is a stock market market to it. So your your basically everything you have fluctuates depending on the market. Okay. Um, but you can also lose on there. As far as resources. Accumulating I think there's one quest where you can own like a port mm-hmm. and then you can have resources come in through that. Um but no. Basically you have to log in, do shit to get shit. No, nope, makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm working on prayer right now. Um I think at last week I was forty four and now I'm up to eighty two. I don't know what that means, but I'm proud of you. Numbers and stuff. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I'm playing that. It that'll probably taper off or be toned down now that monster hunters around um and then the last game which i discovered rick actually got me on this was there's a phone game between ios uh people have iphones mm-hmm. it's called game pigeon oh and boy. basically within chats you can send people a little game that goes back and forth so like you send like rick and i have been going back and forth playing pool Um, So I'd send him a pool game, he'd do his move until he scratched or didn't hit anything in, and then it sends back to me. And there's, like, 10 to 16 different games. There's, like, beer pong, there's basketball, there's mini golf. And it just goes back and forth depending on your turn. And it's just a ton of fun. Interesting. And it's called Game Pigeon? Game Pigeon. Huh. Uh, It's free, um, and it's just a fun if you have an iPhone. Interesting. All right. And then... Monster Hunter. Let's get to it, man. <laughs> so I got this at 11. Um, I get, then I got off work around 3.34 yesterday and started playing. Be honest. Come on now. You were playing during work hours. I, I played during lunch. Yeah. And then... Um, How long was that lunch break? It was, it was like a half an hour. I'll tell the
1: good people. You were playing for <laughs> well, like Well, I had two breaks technically, so okay. it was like
0: an hour. But yeah. So I played it yesterday a good amount. Um, went to bed around 10... And then I woke up because my dog wanted to just dis- or decided to go to the bathroom at five in the morning. Mm. Um, I rolled around watching some memes and trying to go back to bed, which didn't work until like five thirty. And then I got back on, trying to get some cool armor this morning. Nice. Uh, but I'm really enjoying it. It takes a lot of the foundation from Monster Hunter World, for better or for worse. Um, Rick's not the biggest fan of World, mm-hmm. um, but. I, that's my first game that I started with. I played the older type of games. I think the main, his main complaint for that is, um, in the older one, in the old game, it was harder to get armor skills. Mm -hmm. And for this one, it's a little bit easier. You have one perk and it equals one level of that perk opposed to you need 10 perks to get one skill.
1: So in normal speak, is it just less grinding to level up and stuff like that?
0: You get more powerful quicker because you get activation of a skill. Okay. So they kind of sp- one, Yeah, it's, streamlined, it's more streamlined opposed it. to having to grind out a shit ton of things. So mm-hmm. instead of the 640 hours that he put into Ultimate or Jeez. Generations Ultimate, I mean, I put 300 something into World, mm-hmm. which I probably could have done a 200, but I wanted to grind out everything. Mm-hmm. Um, have you gotten the Platinum Trophy in Monster Hunter World? Dude. That one's rough. Um, so, no, Ben has, though, because wow. he's insane. He's also put like a thousand hours into it. My word. Um, but to do that, the, the shitty part about the trophies, the thing that kind of keeps me from it, you can go around and collect like pandemic life, which isn't the hard part. But for each monster, there's a gold crown for the largest and the smallest. So, when you go into a hunt, it's randomly generated the size of the monster. So, maybe you have to kill 40 of a specific monster, 40 to say like 100 or 200. Mm. And depending on how you do it, you can jump into the quest and then jump out if you don't think it's large or small. But it's crown farming. Just a well. crazy amount yeah, of time. Yeah, it's a ton grinding. of grind. Um, so, I will never do that. No. Probably. Uh, it'd strip the fun away. Yeah. Okay, so back to Monster so, Rise. So back to Rise, um, very similar to World. Um, it, it's kind of a beautiful Japanese setting. Um, yeah, it's just a ton of fun. I've gone through a good majority of the low rank. So there's different like star levels. So you start out at one. There's like four or five quests for that one star quests. And then you go up to two-star quests, which is just increasing of the difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I just got to four-star quests.
1: Okay, so for the Monster Hunter games, for the people that don't know out there, is there a story for these games, or is it really just moving up in the star-ranked quests?
0: Yeah, so what I'm doing now, I haven't played online at all, to mm-hmm. grind at anything. I'm doing the village quest, which is kind of the main story progression. And the story for this one is basically there's a rampage happening where it's kind of like tower defense. mm mm-hmm. um, And I've done one rampage. And how that works is you have your gate, which is protecting your village. And you can set up cannons and turrets and things. And you can figure, like, there's different placements.
1: Is this the first time the Monster series has done that?
0: Yes. That's kind of cool. It's a cool new mechanic. And so what you do is you strategically put cannons and then you level them up depending on the number of monsters you repel. And then it opens up new places to put cannons. And it kind of feeds the monsters through a route with like a gate barrier and then the final barrier. Cool. So cool. it's a cool new mechanic. Um, the main flagship monster is kind of tied to that mechanic or within the story. but Now, I know one time. of the, the big
1: differences in, in
0: Rise, at least from the commercials I've seen, is you have a dog. Yes. You do. But do and you also have a little cat friend? Yes. So when I go on my single player uh quests, I have Nala, nice. my purple slash blue dog. Purple's a good color. Yeah, I like it. It's like it's a dark purple with like uh blue streaks down the back. Mm-hmm. It's looking good. Nice. I figured you'd appreciate that one. And then I have Skittles, my cat, Aww. who looks like a tabby. Um and, yeah, I decked them out in some armor. Um, I had them in, like, bone armor, so they looked like a demon dog yesterday. And then now I have them in this, like, monkey bat armor. So it looks pretty cool. Cool, man. But, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I will eventually play it with you when you get off the ballon train. It'll be um, a while. But, yeah, it'll be a fun time. It, this, the like core mechanic is still there. It's still go out kill a monster, farm its parts, make an armor, and weapon. And there's 14 weapons. I chose the Switch Axe, which is the first time I'm playing with that ever. Um, Just trying it out, something new. Cool. Uh, But, yeah, really
1: enjoying it. Glad you're enjoying it, man. And I'll definitely hop on that Monster Hunter train, uh, hopefully pretty soon. Nice. But, um, yeah, this past week for me... Uh, I think last couple episodes, you know, I've been talking about Final Fantasy XII, and then I was talking about uh, Homefront the Revolution. I've kind of put Final Fantasy XII on a little bit of the back burner. It's still top of mind. It's still installed on my PS5, and I will get back to it soon. Uh, But I put that kind of by the wayside for now. And I also pretty much put Homefront the Revolution down. I put about eight hours into it, and it's just not changing. Like, it's the same rinse-and-repeat side quests um or fetch quest i should say you go from one place to another you take the outpost you kill a bunch of dudes then you go back to your warehouse and you're just trying to overthrow and take back the territory uh that the enemies have 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 taken you know and it's just not changing much but i mean for four bucks i think is what i got it for it's a fun weekend first person shooter with uh, plenty of side quests plenty to do it's open world if you're into that thing for a couple bucks I think it's definitely worth it but but not something I'm gonna you know go out of my way to keep playing and it's really not gonna keep me from playing some of these other games that I've gotten to this week but uh, I also was just getting the itch to go back and play uh, the 2016 ratchet and Clank game so this is kind of a reimagining of the first game in the series and if you have a playstation 4 or five particularly five recently it was literally free, uh, as part of the play at home, uh, thing that PlayStation is kind of going on right now. And, uh, but I think it's also free as part of the PlayStation plus collection. So if you have PlayStation plus, you have a PS five, you can grab it and it's just hidden all the right notes that I wanted it to. Uh, I I've tried to get into it a few different times, but I just wasn't in the mood for the game, but I've always loved, the first three Ratchet and Clank games. I played uh, one on PS2, Going Commando, and Up Your Arsenal. I think those that trilogy of games is darn near perfect. Each one got more and more interesting. Uh, you can always expect really interesting weapons and, and guns in those games because, of course, they eventually moved and uh, went on to make the Resistance series of games, mm-hmm. which you love. So if you yes. played things like Perfect Dark, uh, throw like a really weird sense of humor on that and... You have something like Ratchet and Clank with the arsenal of weapons that you end up accumulating. Uh, The cutscenes are right out of a Pixar film. The humor and banter between Ratchet, Clank, and the other side characters is just brilliant. And it's definitely getting me very excited to play, um, not into the Nexus, but what is the PS5 one coming out? this summer a rift a rift apart i believe yeah i think it's is rift the name apart. of that one uh it's definitely going to be very excited for that because i think we've talked about it before i think that is going to be the first game that truly showcases the power of the ps5 with those instantaneous load times as you're literally going through different dimensions and ratchet and clink games are always a fun time i typically like my 3d platformers to be a little more bare bones not have a whole bunch of weapons and stuff like that that's why the jack and daxter series got less and less interesting for me as time went on, but uh Ratchet & Clank kind of counter, counters that with its great sense of humor and uh, just wonderful art style. So, really enjoying it. Great. So, yeah, if you haven't played the Ratchet &
0: Clank games, which I know you haven't. I haven't. Yeah, I was thinking A Rift Apart's going to be my first. I know I downloaded the one that was on the PlayStation for free, mm-hmm. um, but I'll probably dive in with the, the PlayStation 5 yeah. one.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. I'm enjoying my time with it. I'm actually on the final planet or final level. Okay. I'm about to beat the final boss. But what stopped me from playing that last night, Ryan, was a little game called Balan Wonderworld. And talk about bare bones platforming. All right. That's what you wanted. That's right? what I wanted. That's what <laughs> I asked for. And uh, yeah, coming away from the demo that I played About a month ago, I knew this game wasn't going to shatter people's expectations or blow people's minds. It's not going to win any Game of the Year awards. If anything, it's probably going to win like Worst Game of the Year award, which is really sad. I feel like more often than not nowadays, you either have your AAA platformers or just AAA games in general, like your Ratchet and Clank's, like your Mario Odysseys, and then you have the more indie developed platformers that people really take a liking to. Yeah but in this generation PS5, Series X, Switch, there's not really room for in the middle anymore. You know, back on the PS2, Xbox and GameCube, there was room for these kind of like hidden gem type platformers like Kai on the Dark Legacy Poi. or uh certainly Poi nowadays, but Tie the Tasmanian Tiger, there was that in between
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh of indie and then you had a Tie Tasmanian Tiger and then you had a Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah. But nowadays, it's either the AAA or the indie. Anything in between is made out to be a meme. And that's what Balan Wonder Wonderworld has clearly become. Everyone on the internet is up in arms. Everyone, kind of the cool thing to do is make fun of it and not give it a chance. Uh, because every single... And I would say partly for good reason. You know, this is a game where literally every button on the controller does the exact same thing, which is jump. Really? Yeah. So l1 r2 l2 square circle triangle every single button is the jump button
0: that's i I feel like you're joking but you sound pretty serious i'm
1: very serious you know and so there's certainly a level of polish that i think isn't there Mm -hmm. uh when i say bare bones i really mean it this is a bare bones 3d platformer but that's kind of exactly what i wanted I think this game could have used quite a bit more time in development to just the the running mechanic, the jumping, um, just the way that the movements of the characters. I think could have used a bit more time in the oven, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. <coughs> but I, I think Square Enix, Yuji Naka, uh, the Ballen Company, which is the subsidiary of Square Enix that developed this game, I think they were just ready to release it, and I don't think they were had any desire to to build upon it in any significant way
0: yeah they didn't really feel like making a good game
1: this was Eugene vision vision and i mean if you've played the original Nights into dreams on the saturn or knights journey of dreams on the wii this feels very much like that so if you've enjoyed those types of games i think you're going to feel at home here graphically and again i can only speak to the playstation 5 version it's super colorful very vibrant very charming I think it has a a lovely soundtrack. I mean, I'm only in chapter two at this point, and I think there's like maybe 10, 12 chapters, something like that.
0: So the gimmick with this one is you get to change into different things, right?
1: Little costumes, yeah.
0: So how is that? How does that feel?
1: I think each level, you know, you're introduced to a number of different costume mechanics. And I think that mixes up the (laughs) gameplay formula enough to Mm -hmm. keep things interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, if you get hit, you don't necessarily lose damage. You lose your outfit. Uh So then you have to go back and kind of recollect that outfit. And in order to get all the collectibles, you're going to eventually have to backtrack through these levels to make use of the different outfits to Reach a platform that you couldn't otherwise get because you get a certain outfit later in the game that you need to unlock, and then
0: come back and collect the equivalent of stars in the Mario games. So, when you're going back to collect the outfit, are you collecting from the enemy that hurt you or from the original place? You know, I mean, you
1: yeah these these things are
0: just similar to like a ukulele, any
1: three D collectathon platformer. These things are just randomly scattered on these levels. Okay, and so you just have to kind of go out of your way to find them.
0: Okay.
1: So yeah, I mean, I think all in all, Balan Wonderworld is a competent 3D platformer. It's not great. I probably wouldn't recommend most people buy this for $60 because if you wait a couple months, you're going to be able to get this for 30 to $20. Um, but if you're looking for something that is just really charming, really inviting, uh, really happy-go-lucky... I, th- I think this is gonna fit that bill, but for sixty dollars, I think it's really asking a bit too much from from uh, most people. Okay, people like Pete Doerr, people like uh, friend of the show Blink Blinkoom, people like myself. I'm more than happy to pay sixty dollars for a game like this, mm-hmm. but I completely understand that if you're gonna buy a game like Super Mario Odyssey for sixty dollars, and then also pay something or pay $60 to get something like Balan Wonderworld, you're going to feel, like, cheated. <laughs> yeah. Because it, yeah. it's no Super Mario Odyssey, and I think that's okay. So what would
0: you rate your experience out uh, of a 10?
1: I mean, it's really tough. I've only scratched the surface, I think. I'm about an hour and a half in. Um, I mean, it seven... You know, okay. seven out of ten. It's it's, but it from it's different because like my seven out of ten is probably a three out of ten for other people, just because yeah. this game hits differently for me than it would for most people. And also like I'm willing to look past the faults of something like this, and the same way that I did for ukulele. Yeah. Like ukulele, people went into that expecting it to be the next Banjo Kazooie, and it wasn't. So then it was trash for people that want play this game, It's has Yuji Naka's name tied to it, so they want another Knights game, they want the next Sonic the Hedgehog, they want the next Fantasy Star or whatever, it's not going to be that, and I think yeah. you have to go in with those reserved expectations to enjoy a game like this.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: So, uh, and I am, I'm really enjoying my time, I honestly can't wait to, uh, I don't want to say I can't wait to wrap this recording, but I am looking <laughs> forward to uh, to getting back to playing that game later tonight. Good, so. yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah, and I'm sure I'll report back next week. You know, once I have a chance to explore a bit more of the game, maybe yeah. I will say, like, no, the first hour and a half is basically you extrapolate that out eight hours. It's it's the same game for all eight hours. Yeah. It doesn't change much. You just have a different uh, suit on. But uh, for me right now, it's hitting all the right notes. $60, uh, well spent for me. Good. And uh, no regrets. Awesome. Say, we get right back into the March Madness Otaku Brothers bracket.
0: Yes, let's get back to the death match.
1: Absolutely. So, as a reminder, we said it earlier in the episode, but Ryan and I made it through the PlayStation quadrant of characters last week. Today, we're going to be getting through Xbox and Nintendo. And then next week, we will be finishing off the entire bracket with the Square, Square Enix characters, the final four, the final two, and then we'll find who's taken home the Platinum Trophy between uh ryan and myself yeah not us two but of course just the characters in general but what do you say Ryan? we're going to
0: insert ourselves into the final four (laughs) we might as well at this
1: point you know we make the rules here uh let's remind the listeners one that they can write into the show at otaku brothers podcast at gmail.com with their choices one person has already done that great friend of the show we've already mentioned him once blink or blinkum he sent in his bracket, and so after today's festivities of Xbox and Nintendo, we're going to read his characters that made it to the Final Four uh, for those three quadrants. Yep. PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo, and uh, you could have your voice heard if you just write into the show. You don't have to fill out the whole bracket. You can just send in your Final Four. We'd love to read it on the show. But Ryan, let's, let's remind the listeners also, who were the two playstation characters that fought it out at the end for you
0: uh for me it was laura croft and Jin sekai and who ended up winning that it was Jin.
1: yes very very nice uh great character to represent the playstation bracket i think and for me it was ratchet and aloy from horizon zero dawn of course and aloy came out on top
0: another good character yeah
1: i think so Well, just as kind of a, another reminder here, Ryan and I have the 64 characters, the four companies, this is single elimination. We also have 10 potential landscapes for all of these characters to battle on. And so Ryan has a random number generator. So before we get into every single match, he's going to run that and we'll find out which of these 10 places, these characters are battling it out. They have no prep time. They don't know who they're fighting until they actually make it to the arena, So it's kind of all off the cuff, just like this discussion is. Ryan and I have not pre-prepared for this outside of a spreadsheet where we have a potential list of weapons that these characters can pull from. But in terms of actually filling out the bracket, we're doing that live and in real time here. So, Ryan, what do you say we get into this because this is about to be one heck of a long episode.
0: That it is. That it is.
1: All right, so we got the first matchup here in the Xbox Quadrant. We got our boy Banjo and Kazooie as a number one seed versus Frank West from Dead Rising. Where are these characters squaring off?
0: They're squaring off at number one.
1: The Medical Pavilion. This is unfamiliar territory to both of them. This, of course, is from the original Bioshock. We got Creepy Corridors. There's a number of different levels for them to move around in. And, uh, of course, Banjo-Kazooie... He can't really bring much of anything to battle other than him and the bird. So,
0: what is Frank West going to bring to this battle? So, I'm thinking he has a baseball bat, mm. which you can get in a, a mall, and then a nail gun. Mm. Um, so, he, he went to the hardware store, ran out with a nail gun, and then he'll also probably bring a flare. Okay. As his backup
1: accessory. I think uh, I'm going to have him bringing a shotgun and a chainsaw. Okay. He's going he, all out. He's really equipped. He is fighting for life at this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I guess, how do you see this battle going down?
0: Hmm. I, I think the corridors are rough for Banjo. You think so? Because um, he doesn't really have too many ranged weapons. Yeah. Um, I think you can do fire eggs, right? Is that something that Banjo can do? Yeah, he does his little, yeah. Because
1: he spits the eggs, or, you know, Banjo poops them out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm thinking. Hmm. I mean, he can also use the stiffened bird as in, like a way to impale Frank as well.
1: Yeah, the little beak barge.
0: As far this one's kind of even, I think um, probably not with a shotgun and a chainsaw. No, no. But yeah, I see banjo turning the corner, um, prepared with a flaming egg one hand, mm. and then a bird like javelin in the other one. Okay. Um, but I-, I think he's gonna, th- uh, Banjo's gonna probably chuck bird guy what's <laughs> <It's> Kazooie. <laughs> Kazooie at uh, Frank and he'll probably take that in like their left arm, which is not his dominant hand. Mm, okay. Um. So he-, he drops the bat that he was ready to swing with, and Banjo will take a few Um, nails to the chest. Yikes. Um, Which is not a good time. I don't know if you've ever taken nails to the chest or any nails to you, but I have.
1: There's a story about that, yeah, but I want to get
0: into it. And, um, yeah, he's not necessarily pinned to the wall, but he's fading quick. Um, And he launches, as a last-ditch effort, his flaming egg at Frank and he swaps hands with the baseball bat and collides that flaming egg right back at oh, Banjo. Man. And he Banjo takes it to the face and burns to death. <laughs> Poor, Poor guy. Banjo. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Rest his little soul. Uh, he'll still come back for Banjo 3E uh, on the Series X here in about two years. But uh, he's meeting his demise in this battle for you. Yes. What about you? Yeah, this kind of goes down in a similar fashion for me. I think, you know, Frank West, once he finds out that Banjo-Kazooie is his first rival here, I think he literally walks into the pavilion smoking a cigarette. You know, he kind of takes his time and kind of chuckles under his breath a bit. Mm, like, he's getting cocky. this is the best Xbox has to come uh, to the table for me. Yeah. You know, he puts out his cigarette... He starts revving his chainsaw a bit, he locks and loads the shotgun, Banjo's flying around with Kazooie a little bit, trying to get the upper hand, trying to find a point of entry to do his beak barge or his beak buster down aerial attack, but just as he finds an opening, he thrusts forward with beak barge, and Frank turns around and just one-handed, boom, shotgun blast right to Banjo's face. Banjo at this point is not only disoriented, he's got like seven different bullets in his chest. Yikes. Kazooie wasn't hit because, you know, Kazooie was in his backpack just chilling. Uh, so Kazooie at this point is trying to like uh, bandage him a little bit as quick oh, as he he's can. he's a healer
0: in this. <laughs> okay. But
1: in the midst of all of this, Frank, very casually in a Michael Myers fashion, slowly walks over as he's revving his chainsaw. And I don't even want to describe the scene that ends up unfolding.
0: Yeah, but he did have bird for dinner, (laughs) is is the takeaway for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, what a fitting place to be in the medical pavilion for uh, that type of slaughter. Yeah.
0: Yikes. Banjo didn't really have a chance there. The bear and
1: the bird. Yeah, not the best battle to start things off for him. But uh, yeah, Frank West definitely gets the upper hand, and that's a complete upset. That's a 16 seed taking down a one seed. Very nice. So uh, Frank has 16 wins that first one and also another reminder for the listeners if this is the first time you're tuning in to this bracket challenge uh the seeding is also completely random so i ran a script in excel and just for all 64 characters uh assigned a number and it was very random so there was no sub- subjectivity in saying that frank west was 16 and banjo was one even if people would be led to believe based on uh my history of game playing that i would put banjo as a one seed
0: yeah so. I, I think you're very biased maybe a little this bit one
1: Maybe a little bit. So, this next one, this is actually going to be a pretty interesting fight, I think. We've got Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell at 8. Yes. And we have Marcus Phoenix, the lead protagonist in Gears of War, as a 9 seed. Uh, where are they fighting? Number 6. Number 6. Mute City. This really complicates things, I think. So, this is F-Zero. Okay. And... Uh, Obviously, they're on a small platform. Maybe there's three platformers that they're hopping between. And you have the chaos that ensues beneath them with the cars flying at 400 miles per hour. So what do you see them bringing into battle? And how do you see the fight going down?
0: Hmm. Well, for Sam, I don't really think the stealth matters here. That it, was his main advantage. Yeah, I agree. Marcus is more of a tank. Um, and Sam was kind of the ninja esque character, um, so his sonar goggles, really most of his hand to hand combat don't really matter. Um, I, I think his accessories would probably be tiger claws. Oh, I didn't um, know he had those. Yeah, he uh, he became a cat overnight before he uh, he started Splinter Cell. Oh, interesting. Um, so the backstory yeah. you never knew. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it's in the prequels but that never got released. Um, So, he's got cat claws, or tiger claws, which is a knife, um, and then probably a shotgun and a pistol. Okay. Um, And then for Marcus, I I think the machine gun chainsaw is probably a must to Mm -hmm. counter any knives. He's a close combat slash long range. Um, And then I would love for him to take Hammer of Dawn, which is basically like a... Oh, a laser from the sky but I feel like that would not um he wouldn't have the time to do that so probably the grenade bow would yeah be fun. um and then as far as <laughs> I have his abilities as beefcake bronze <laughs> makes sense He's a yeah, big he dude. Is. so yeah that's what I would take to the battle what about you
1: yeah, I think uh, Marcus Phoenix. He does take the chainsaw, machine gun, and a pistol, maybe a couple grenades. And I think, I think Sam Fisher really just takes a silenced pistol, and he has some smoke grenades, and okay. he, he has his goggles too, um, because those are kind of just as part of his attire, anyways. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this battle, I think in most situations Sam Fisher would, without a doubt, win because he does have his stealth capabilities that would uh, supersede someone like Marcus Phoenix that is someone that's just going to run into battle, use his his giant uh, figure as uh, a weapon in and of itself because he's kind of a tank. Yeah, And he just goes in guns blazing and typically uh, that works for him in a Gears of War game. But with Sam Fisher as your opponent, it wouldn't work as well. But again, like I said, it complicates things because we're in Mute City. But I think... Uh, Maybe, contrary to what you're going to do and popular belief out there for the listeners, I think the very first thing that happens in this battle, as the incoming traffic is coming, all right, the platform starts to rumble and shake a little bit. Okay. The battle is already a little uneasy. So we don't know who's going to have the upper hand. But I think the first thing that happens is Sam Fisher chucks a smoke grenade on the ground, enables his, his goggles so he can see right through the smoke and know exactly where Marcus Phoenix is. Marcus has no idea what's going on because he's not used to smoke grenades. Yeah. He's only used to flash or, uh, Big Bang Grenades. Yeah,
0: that's their official name.
1: The Big Bang Grenades. The Big Bang Grenades in in, uh, Gears of War. So he doesn't know what's going on. And I think he gets two bullets right to the face from Sam Fisher's, uh, silenced pistol. Okay. And I think Marcus Phoenix literally just falls to his death. Kind of like similar to a Lion King s- scene when Mufasa mm. falls to his death in the uh, the stampede of the wildebeest. Yeah, and I think Yikes. Marcus Phoenix just gets trampled by uh, like the incoming traffic. Th- incoming traffic after he took two bullets to the face. Wow! It- and Sam Fisher comes out on top.
0: Okay. And the uh. crowd goes wild. <laughs> yeah, or the cars they honk their horns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I see happening is, I feel like squaring off with guns is kind of rough. So I see at the start of the match, Marcus is going to shoot his, um, grenade bow at the incoming traffic, right? Killing one of the cars that slows down into the battlefield. hmm. And Marcus in the game, I mean, gears of war is all about that cover. So he hops behind the cover, um, So he has some shield against the stealthiness of uh, Sam. Sam. Um, As far as Sam, he is going to utilize that cover as well. I mean, he's a Navy SEAL, so he's good in close combat. Um, So as he's approaching to um, get an angle around this dead vehicle, because, I mean, I don't know about uh, F-Zero cars, but I'm assuming they've got more futuristic metal. That he can't shoot through like normal cars. Probably. Um so he's making her his way around downtown and uh walking as, fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> making my way downtown. And um I don't know, Marcus is just trying to fire some grenades to disorient the big bang um, kind of grenades? The the biggest bang oh, kind shit. of grenades. Yeah. Um on the end of a stick in the form of an arrow (laughs) so um, he disorients Sam doesn't get him directly because he is over the shoulder shooting at him Um, but Sam is kind of disoriented Marcus with his studliness jumps over the hood of the car sliding to look slick on the, uh, the camera and chainsaws Sam just down the chest yikes um, Sam, in his last-ditch effort, pulls a dragon cl- or a tiger—one of his tiger claws that he's had since birth—shanks him in the neck. But as the chainsaw's going through him, he—he's lost. I was too about much to
1: say, part. like half of his body's been ripped apart. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it was like a muscle spasm in death. Oh, okay, so, yeah, interesting.
1: So Marcus yeah, wins for you. Marcus wins for me. Uh, Sam Fisher wins for me. Uh, yeah, it was a good tactic. That's in- that's a great example, though, of how significant the landscape plays and has an influence into the battle yeah because i think anywhere else like certainly like a medical pavilion situation sam fisher is hiding in the rafters yeah and waiting for a takedown of marcus phoenix
0: yeah and i feel like marcus can take i mean with his armor some bullets oh yeah he can Um, take a few hits yeah so
1: all right well this next one i think is uh not going to be as divisive i think we have the hero of bower lake a five seed from fable 2 and then we have Master Chief, of course, the main protagonist of the Halo series as a 12-seed, where they fight in Ryan.
0: They're fighting number seven.
1: Uh, they're going to Old Yarnum. So, uh, kind of interesting because, you know, the Hero of Bower Lake has a similar uh, similar weapons to a Bloodborne Hunter with a flintlock pistol and a longsword. Yes. And, uh, of course, Master Chief... He has a whole arsenal of
0: weapons. But what does Master Chief bring into the table for you? He's taking a sword for me, the uh, Covenant Sword. And he'll probably, hmm, probably a shotgun for me. Okay. Yeah. And then he's got sticky grenades for Mm -hmm. fun. Those are good. Those are good. What about you?
1: Yeah, Master Chief for me is bringing the original Halo 1 pistol. Oh, okay. And then his, his second weapon is a needler. Ooh. All right, and uh, All right. old Yarnum, those bullets will pop because it's pretty dark and grotesque there. Yeah. But he's still taking the needler. And how do you see this
0: battle going down? Well, it, it's a hard matchup. I, I think Master Chief, he's on his toes because he's afraid of a, a metal sword. You oh, know? easily. He, he's fought some big things like fucking ships and stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> a metal sword, that iron, is it's his kryptonite. I'm sure so. it is. Yeah, I feel like similar to your first battle with uh Frank, Chief is a little cocky. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't have Cortana trying to bring down his mood. He's just he walks, strolls in there, he takes a few Flintlock pistols to the face because what is a a small ball of metal gonna do to him? Not much. I mean he's taken plasma to the face many times in our playthroughs. So mm-hmm. Um And yeah, I mean, after uh, the hero of the lake <laughs> <laughs> runs out of bullets. There's not much more that he can do except for charge with a sword. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's, he's out of ammo. And there's two options that Master Chief can do he can spar with this crazy lake man, or he can shotgun him. But, but that's no fun. So with his plasma sword, he goes to block the, uh, The sword of the lake man and he just cuts it in half (laughs) like you're, you're not gonna face off with a regular sword versus a plasma sword no you're not um and what uh master chief is gonna do he's gonna pick up lake man by his skull with his uh strong hands his masculine hands put him against the wall and shove the sword through his waist pinning him to the wall and then he's just gonna take a shotgun to his chest.
1: That's pretty intense. I mean, you're like moving around and animated when you're doing this.
0: Yeah, I, I am Master Chief. So, <laughs> Ryan,
1: the listeners can't see it. They can probably certainly hear it. Ryan's like literally acting out the scene. He stood up. He's moving around, waving his arms a bit.
0: Yeah, Master Chief. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what about you?
0: Is it same outcome or different outcome? No,
1: this is the same outcome. I, there's no scenario where the hero of Bower Lake comes out on top here. I think the Master Chief, you know, the moment he sees him, the Hero of Bowerlike thinks he's the big bad and he, he he shoots him a few times with his little flintlock pistol and the bullets literally just bounce off of yeah. Master Chief. They do nothing to 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 pierce his Spartan armor and Master Chief just locks and loads the needler, shoots about three dozen needles right at the Hero of Bowerlike. He is completely pierced with every single one of them and then just
0: spontaneously combusts. with needles and then as master chief walks off not looking at the explosion well
1: then master chief you know he pulls like a a luke skywalker as he astral projects himself in last jedi and he kind of like brushes off his shoulders
0: a little bit like come on Uh, yeah i really loved in halo 4 where you could astral project (laughs) (laughs) so hopefully they bring that to infinity or Uh, infinite
1: i hope not um (laughs) But yeah, so Master Chief definitely wins that, without a doubt. There's no question. Um, making my note here, Master Chief, what an upset too. You know, a 12 yeah. seed taking down a 5 seed. But Ryan, I think we uh, we might want to consider shortening the length of these battle descriptions because we've done three and we've already talked for 20 minutes. And if we map that out, I think we're looking at like a four and a half hour episode. And I'm just not sure the listeners uh, care to listen to us D&D this bracket for that long.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. <laughs> so,
1: we're gonna cut back a little bit on the detailed descriptions of people sticking plasma swords into chest cavities and and ripping hearts out and all that kind of craziness. Yeah, and
0: Kali Maing. What's that? Indiana Jones Kali Ma. He like rips out his heart and it's beating. Oh yeah. God, have you seen Indiana Jones? Never. Well.
1: Never. are uncultured, I guess. No, nah, come on. Now nah, I've seen all four of them. Well, there's really only three movies, and then there's that one. The we, skull we, of
0: the aliens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we choose not to yeah. talk about. But um, anyways, let's get into this next battle. Okay. All right. We've got the Oblivion Knight, of course, from Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion as a four seed. Very appropriate. And we have Commander Shepherd from the Mass Effect series as a thirteen seed. Where are these guys fighting it out? Number eight. Number eight. They're going to Sentinel Beach. Alright, Jack and Daxter. This is familiar territory for the Oblivion Knight, because right when he comes out of the sewers, he's kind of greeted to a little... A uh... little cove. Yeah, exactly. So, what, what do you think happens here? I mean, what, what kind of weapons do they bring into the battle, and uh, ultimately, who, who's reigning
0: victorious here? So, I think the Oblivion Knight brings a sword, and um, probably a Daedric sword, and a bow. Um to the battle, and then his ability, besides glitching because it's a Bethesda game, that's true, um, most likely a fireball.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll probably bring a... I love the Dwarven armor and the just the entire Dwarven weapon set, so I think I'm going to bring a Dwarven blade, okay. put an Elven bow. All right. And probably a little bit of healing magic because I think he's about to get royally screwed up by Commander Shepard.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm going all offensive. You can be defensive on this one. Yeah. And then for Shepard... Um, he's going to take a Raptor, which basically just shoots Plasma Blasts, and a Rieger Carbine, which shoots Lightning.
1: Yeah, that'll probably kill someone. Yeah, they,
0: someone's going to die. And then, as far as his abilities, I'm going to take uh, Cloaking. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure I'm going to need abilities for this one. I think he's a little confident. Okay. So he's going to bring his M15 Vindicator Assault Rifle and a little M3 Predator Pistol and and I think the moment he sees the Oblivion Knight and the Oblivion Knight sees Commander Shepard, mm-hmm. it's kind of like if someone from, you know, 1775 or 1776 flash forwards in a time machine to like the year like 2300 and is immediately placed on a, uh, a war zone and has to fight someone. I think he's just com- completely out of his element, has no idea how he's going to take someone down that has weapons 400 years into the future. And as much as I love the Oblivion Knight and Oblivion as a game, I think that character gets annihilated by Commander Shepard.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably how mine goes down. Isn't there a quote? It's like, really advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I've never heard of that, but that sounds like... a Yeah, it's a quote somewhere. But yeah, I think it's going to be the same thing. I think they'll probably trade off. It's going to be some of the plasma blasts versus the fire... And eventually, the Oblivion Knight's gonna run out of mana, and mm. that's where Shepard can just stroll out, turn off his cloaking, um, as he's been dodging back and forth between barriers, and uh, shoot some lightning. And uh, it sucks that wearing metal armor is a conductor. Yeah, and he's just gonna fry. Poor guy, man. Yeah, it's a rough life. It's it's hard fighting the future, <laughs> maybe that'll be us someday. <laughs>
1: you never know, yeah. uh, but speaking of Oblivion, I think it turned 20, 20 no, not uh, 15 years old this past week. Really? 15 Congrats, years man.
0: old. Uh, was Congrats, bl- Oblivion. Would that make sense? Yeah, 2005 or six.
1: Yeah, so it would have been 15 maybe. years old, but we should definitely do a retrospective on that. Um, I really want to.
0: Yeah, I mean, hell, Skyrim turned 10.
1: Yeah. It's insane. And 10 years later, we still don't have another Elder Scrolls Yeah, game it's weird. It's, hopefully, it's twice as good because we've had twice
0: the weight. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be 15 by the time we actually get it. So. Oh, easy, dude.
1: Easy. The game's a 2026. 20, and it'll look and... like Morrowind. So. You never know what's going <laughs> to yeah. happen. Thanks, with, Bethesda. With
0: the, uh, it just works. The Elder Scrolls games. So, speaking of just working, let's work on continuing this break. <laughs> oh. We said we were going to take this time, but. We now <laughs> inserted quotes and shit. We <laughs> <laughs> <These> suck at <laughs> <I> condensing. <laughs> little, little do the viewers know we've been here for like three hours and recorded like forty-five minutes worth of stuff. <laughs> Rusty's had like forty glasses of coffee and a coke. And I peed like three times. So, oh my god! We've got this having like a meltdown. <laughs> oh shit! I'm
1: crying, dude. It kills me that we have gotten through five battles and we still have like 47 of these to get through.
0: I'm enjoying myself. It's just... We said we were going to be quick, and then we do... i having the best time. time of my life. Yeah, so... All right, so the next one...
1: Oh. <laughs> this is Arbiter versus Ryu from the Ninja Gaiden series. Yes. So, Arbiter, of course, from Halo. Ryu is from a Ryu. It's probably Ryu. Uh, he's an 11 seed from Ninja Gaiden, or Gaiden, <coughs> depending on your preference of pronunciation in where are these people battling it out Ryan
0: They are battling it out in number 9
1: Grand Pulse so this is probably not the best setting for for Ryu because he's he, he's probably more used to places like the medical pavilion where he can mm-hmm. kind of stealthily sneak around in his little ninjiness Yes um but arbiter I think this is pretty okay territory for him and I think for He's, You know, he's going to bring the arsenal of Halo weapons that you would kind of expect. He's going to have a plasma sword and a plasma pistol. And Ryu is going to have his, his ninja stars and his shurikens. Are shurikens just ninja stars? Yes, Okay. They are. So he's, nice. bring, he's bringing both of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All the variations.
1: <laughs> he's also bringing his katana. And I think this is actually just a crazy ass sword fight. Because there's no hiding on Grand Pulse. This is, of course, yeah. the battlefield from Final Fantasy
0: XIII. But, but I think the thing that Arbiter wouldn't see coming is... Ryu has ultimate moves, right? You you have the right button in uh, inputs, and you have ultimate moves. Ultimate moves? Yeah. Like just charged combo stuff, or what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, like, one of his ultimate moves was summon an ice tornado and summon a black hole. Oh. So I, I think they'll duel it out, and then, like, he does his, like, Naruto no Jinsu stuff... As he does, and he summons a black hole that absorbs the orbiter. Arbiter. Orbit of the universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, I, I think the arbiter goes down to this one. To the craziness that is Ryu. Ryu. Ree- <laughs> yes, him. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> We're just going to call him the Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. All right.
1: uh, I, I also have the Ninja Gaiden winning this one pretty handedly. I uh, I just think he's way too quick and swift with his movements. He's a far better swordsman and I wasn't even aware that he could summon the power of God to defeat his enemies. God
0: and enemies on his side.
1: So, I think he absolutely wins and I think definitely the open battlefield of Grand Pulse plays to um to his advantage as well just because Arbiter is probably used to the quarter type shooting, you know, hiding behind bunch of crates and things like that. And uh, so, yeah, I think Ryu takes him down.
0: Yeah. So Master Chief might be uh, pissed that if he, they end up making it far enough. Yeah. That Ryu killed his friend.
1: I think so. Yeah, we'll, ha- we'll have to see. Uh, this next one, we have Riddick, uh, of course, Vin Diesel yes. from the Chronicles of Riddick movie series, but also uh, the two games on the Xbox. He's a three seed.
0: Yeah, I think introducing Vin Diesel to any matchup, it's just he he's going to succeed. Well, yeah, he's going to get his Dodge Charger and he's just going to run the person over. You take it a half a mile at a minute or whatever, <laughs> whatever that quote is. To, what is it? You take a half mile at a time or something like that? He lives his life a quarter mile at a time. I live my
1: life a quarter mile a minute.
0: What did you just say? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, my
1: gosh. It's all about furious. It's all about family here.
0: And then um, he's facing off. Riddick's going to face off against Conker.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. From Conker's Pocket Tales, Conker's Bad Fur Day. He's uh, a little squirrel dude. Live and reloaded. He's a 14 seed. Yes. I don't think Conquer has a chance in hell here. I mean, Riddick's going to bring his Ulok blades and just eat him for lunch.
0: I could see that. Um, Conquer. I mean, he has a flamethrower, which is scary. Um, and they're also facing off at number one. Oh, the medical pavilion. See, this is Riddick's home turf, though. Yeah. It- I, I, I think, I don't know. Conquer doesn't seem that strong being a little squirrel dude. Um, I don't know if he has the strength to get up his flamethrower quick enough to counter the speed of Vin Diesel with his blades. I think
1: he's definitely bringing a flamethrower. He's bringing some submachine guns, maybe a crossbow or two. But, I mean, he's an orange squirrel, and he's loud, and he's obnoxious, so he's just running through the halls singing tunes and having a merry good time. And Vin Diesel can see in the dark er, with his
0: riddicky eyes. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think probably Riddick, I mean, sprinting through the halls with his girth uh, ends up tearing up Conker.
1: Yeah, poor little guy. Yeah. Similar to Banjo, we still haven't got another game, but Rare doing Rare things. We're not doing Rare things, I guess, depending on how you look at it, but um, Conker's Bad Fur Day. That's a game I want to go back to.
0: Yeah. That's something I
1: want to go back to. Um... Yeah, speaking of, it's actually the 20th anniversary of... Speaking of anniversaries. Yes. Conker's Bad Fur Day, 20 years old this year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just celebrated it last week.
0: Everything's getting so old. All the good games. Yeah, definitely a lot of big anniversaries. Least, I mean, at least the the main Xbox games are getting pretty old. We need some new anniversary-worthy games from Xbox. They're coming soon. They're yeah. coming in the pipeline. So
1: Next up, we have Blink's The Time Sweeper versus... The biggest daddy of them all. Big Papa. <laughs> <laughs> He's a 10 seed versus Blink's a seven seed. Uh Big Daddy, of course, is the the main antagonist in the uh first Bioshock game, outside of Andrew Ryan, and the main protagonist in uh Bioshock 2. And uh where are these guys fighting it out? Number four. So they're going to Sector Z, tight quarters here on okay. Star Fox's ship from the N64 Smash Brothers. And what, what are these guys bringing into battle, Ryan?
0: Well, uh, Blinks doesn't really have much. He has a vacuum cleaner, which he's able to suck in things and stuff. And he has the ability to control time.
1: Yes, so sweepers are the weapons used by the time sweepers. They resemble portable vacuum cleaners. And in Blinks, the time sweeper game, you can rewind a few seconds to catch an enemy unaware or rebuild a crumbling bridge pause the action and take advantage of the frozen time knock the level into slow motion you can do all those things all the while blinks is moving around in real time so he definitely has an advantage here
0: so what what is the delay in time seconds seconds so like how many seconds do we want to say like like three or four okay so not like 10 or 15 no like eight or nine okay sounds good that's more reasonable uh and then for big daddy (laughs) why are we arguing over that it's important shit i don't know you can do a lot in one additional second
1: you're right ryan you can do quite a bit in uh one second you can also do quite a bit more in 24 hours which is kind of where we find ourselves today
0: yeah one day later and audio sounds way better
1: Uh, Hopefully. My goodness. So I think uh, the listeners was probably at least noticeable, maybe not significant, uh, but noticeable enough for Ryan and I that there was some echo going on because we sit in the same room. We've tried to have uh, some barriers and things to help counter that and it wasn't working. Plus, we tried umpteen other solutions and then we figured, you know, the best way to do this is just Ryan needs to go to his place and we can hop on a call and just get back to this because Uh, We had so much planned yesterday, so much to get through, and we ended up spending like three hours trying to find a solution, and then we were completely demoralized, and we said, screw this, let's just figure it out tomorrow, you can record at your place, and we'll get back to it. Yeah, so now we're here. That we are. So, Ryan, just as kind of a reminder for ourselves, the listeners are caught up, they're up to speed because they listened to this like 15 seconds ago, Yes. but we have Big Daddy, we have Blinks the Time Sweeper. They're on Sector Z, which is the Star Fox map, and Big Daddy can only use his electric plasmids in one hand and his big drill in the other, and then we got Blinks with his assortment of weapons, including a time machine sweeper. I'm not sure if we ever agreed on the number of seconds that he can rewind time, but I think it's a few. All right. Let's not get into... Roughly nine
0: seconds. Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay. Approximately. Approximately. Uh, so how, how do you see this
0: this fight going down on this 2D plane? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, I I think Blinks is ki- Blinks is kind of screwed. Um, I agree. He he's probably going to use the time to or time turning to avoid a few electricity blasts, but eventually he's going to get drilled by Big Daddy, which sounds mm. hot and sounds like a porno, but it also includes death. So yeah. not family friendly. But yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a pretty quick fight, I think. Well, plus you have the
1: you know Big Daddy with the amount of weight. That, I mean, he probably weighs like two metric tons, you know? And Blinks yep. is kind of a nimble cat. And so it's going to be really difficult no matter what weapons Blinks has in his arsenal to even move Big Daddy an inch. Yeah. And all uh, Big Daddy has to do is just literally use his drill or electrocute him and then drill him and... I mean, yeah. even
0: if he stops time, what is he going to do? Punch a metal suit? <laughs> like <laughs> It's not like Ant-Man where you're like condensed or whatever. So you punch and they go flying. But it's, yeah, he's going to break his arms. His options are limited for sure. I definitely Very have much. Big Daddy uh, walking away with a victory. And I don't
1: even think he gets so much as a scratch on him.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah. Maybe some blood, but that's about it.
1: Yeah. Uh. Alrighty. So we move on to the final battle in this bracket. Before we get into round 2, we have Cole Train as a 2 seed from the Gears of War series and we have Joanna Dark, of course, from Perfect Dark, one of my favorite games on the N64 and we're getting a reboot on the Series X here in a couple years as a 15 seed. So, where are these two going to battle it out, Ryan? Uh number 3. Oh my gosh, this is the perfect place. Blood Gulch From Halo, Combat Evolved. Believe it or not, Ryan, we went through the entire PlayStation side of the bracket. We never once had the characters fight here. So this is a first. Yes.
0: It's a good matchup, too. It's an excellent matchup. Yeah. So what do you see these two bringing into battle? Well, I see Joanna Dark bringing in the Farsight um, Mm -hmm. because that's going to come in clutch. And then I, I don't see Coltrane going for the laptop gun. So probably the Phoenix Pistols. Mm. Mm. and for coltrane I, I don't know i think hammer of dawn actually works well here where it didn't for the marcus fight and yeah, then it's a good point probably the machine gun chainsaw as a classic or uh, oh let's see do hammer and dawn and sniper doesn't really make any sense so probably the machine gun as well okay what about you yeah, I'm definitely
1: bringing in the sight for Joanna, especially in an environment like this. And she's got to bring her dual cyclones. That's an absolute uh, necessity for my girl, Joanna. And uh, Coltrane, I think he brings the, um, the chainsaw machine gun for sure. And then I think he also brings a couple grenades and a sniper rifle. Okay. And I think for me... I I just think this is an environment made from the ground up for someone like Joanna Dark and her arsenal of weapons, particularly the Farsight. You know, I think Coltrane finds a nice setup on one end of the battlefield because this is a very extensive map. If you're not familiar with this map from the original Halo, you kind of have two um, opposing bases on either side, and then it's just like a desert terrain between the two. And then you have some mountain and cliff sides that you can kind of navigate as well. So... I think for that purpose alone, like this is prime territory for Joanna to whip out the Farsight. And even if Cole has a a nice place in the caves or he has a nice place in the base waiting for his opponent to come out and to be seen and to pick her off with his sniper rifle, it doesn't matter. Because the Farsight literally has x-ray vision. Not only can see people through anything, but it can shoot people through anything. And I think she just, you know, couple quick uh, darts of the the Farsight gun and Coltrane is dead in a matter of minutes.
0: Yeah, I think it, I, I see Joanna winning as well. Um, I think they're on opposite sides. Um, two long-range weapons didn't make sense for... Um, I have Beefcake Bronze, again, as Coltrane's ability. But for Coltrane, um, so he ha- he's kind of stuck with a somewhat medium-range machine gun. So I think he's going to use the Hammer of Dawn to try to draw out Joanna. Mm. And by blowing up one of the bases, she's going to go into the caving system and Cole's going to try to close the ground by trying to go into that same cave. Um, but this is where she basically, as he's out in the open with all of his bulk, she can pick him off through the the cave walls oh, um, as, nice. he, as he's coming to uh, attack her, so... Yeah, I see Joanna winning for sure. All right, nice. We are in agreement with that one.
1: Uh, The past couple, I think we've been uh, on the same side of the fence here, but we got to get back to up at the top here for Xbox, round two. I have Frank West, again from Dead Rising, and Marcus Phoenix from the Gears of War series. And he's pretty pissed off with the news that his buddy Cole is dead. So he's, he's definitely out for revenge, even though Frank West wasn't the one that uh
0: killed his buddy who do you have going on in this fight i i have the same two frank and marcus so it's really going to depend on the location and that is number seven
1: number seven is old Yarnum, which i feel like this is kind of an appropriate setting for both because you know frank west is used to being exposed to you know the darker setting of a a mall because obviously all the power's out but also zombies which you get a little bit of that feel in old Yarnum with the Bloodborne stuff. And uh, certainly, this is very appropriate setting for someone like Marcus Phoenix. I feel like.
0: Yeah. So, what are you having them bring to the table? It, it, what is Frank? What's on his shopping list?
1: You know, I think he is... Because going into the battle, again, he doesn't know who he's going to fight, right? Yeah. So, he doesn't know that he needs to prepare himself to fight against this big brawn of a dude. Uh, what did you call
0: him? What, what's his his ability? Uh, beefcake bronze.
1: Yeah. So he doesn't know he's got to go against beefcake bronze. And because of that, he gets a bat okay. with uh, he, he kind of drills some nails into it. So it's kind of a modded baseball bat. Okay. Thinking that like, OK, I just fought against Banjo-Kazooie. I'm probably going to have Conquer from Conker's Bat Fur Day next. All I really need is just a bat with some nails in it to, uh, you know, knock this guy out of the park type of deal. And so he brings that. Maybe he brings some jacks. You know those those little toys. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. He brings some. He brings some of those. Thinking I was he never can tri- very good at jacks.
1: Yeah, no, me either. But he, he thinks he can kind of trip him up. And then maybe he brings a handgun as well. Okay. And the, you know, Marcus Phoenix. He brings in his his normal arsenal: like the machine gun, uh, chainsaw deal,
0: uh, maybe a pistol and some grenades. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Frank will bring jacks for me as well. Okay. Uh, so I think they both bring shotguns to the table. These are somewhat close quarters, um, and then Frank will bring like a pressure cooker with Jacks in it, um, mm. to, and he'll probably fire off just pretending there's some enemies around to lure in Marcus, who has the shotgun, um, and then he'll probably have pistols as well. Um, so he'll probably he'll lure in Cole. And this is where the agility doesn't really, or not Cole, Marcus. This is where the, the agility doesn't really favor Marcus. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's going to turn the corner in one of those really tight corridors. And he's just going to explode from the pressure cooker. Damn. Yeah. Marcus it, it Phoenix was, uh, is going to explode? Was, yeah, Marcus is. Because uh, it's enough force to take him out. And um, it, it was a trap set by Frank.
1: Okay. see, I'm kind of taking the opposite approach where, you know, uh, Frank isn't entirely sure who his opponent is yet. He's just kind of been in hiding, thinking that he can lay a trap of jacks, his little friend here, maybe conquer, maybe someone else, maybe blinks the time sweepers. He's going to pop up and he lays the jacks thinking that they're going to get tripped up and he's hiding behind in a bush ready to jump out and attack them with this modded bat with nails. And so. To his surprise and ultimate demise, Marcus Phoenix walks up, steps on the jacks, literally just shatters them with his feet because he has, like, <laughs> giant boots or whatever. Crushing
0: metal with his girth.
1: Frank jumps out of the uh, the bushes thinking, like, okay, I'm ready to go to town on this, uh, this little squirrel with a, a modded bat. He sees Marcus Phoenix in the eyes. He's stripped of everything that he is as a man. And Marcus Phoenix just takes the chainsaw machine gun and splits him right in half. Wow! So rip, rip Frank West, rip the Dead Rising he, he series. He definitely
0: has a presence just to instill fear in his enemies. That's
1: right. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So you have Frank West moving on. Yes. And I have Marcus Phoenix. Cause Marcus, like I said, he's pissed off that that Coltrane's dead. So um, he was ready to exact revenge on someone. Yeah. Whoever that was that got in his way because he's trying to get back to uh Joanna. But uh this next fight for me, Ryan, I have Master Chief, of course from Halo,
0: versus uh Commander Shepard. Yeah, I have the same as well. And they will be fighting at number eight. Number eight. So
1: let me hold on a second. Scroll down here. Sentinel Beach. Back okay. to the Jack and Daxter map.
0: Hmm. So these guys, I think, are pretty much on the same page when it comes to abilities. And I would agree. I, I don't know if Shepard has the same armor or level of armor, but it's definitely. I don't up think there. he does. Um. So yeah, I, I think they're gonna take Sentinel Beach is a pretty wide open area. I see uh, Chief bringing a sniper, and then mm-hmm. probably a battle rifle. Um, oh yeah. The sword doesn't really make any. It. It can make sense, but he has to close the ground. I think he's going to take a more tactical approach with all the high ground. And then Shepard, probably pistols, probably, I would say. And then Mm -hmm. the Raptor as well, which is those plasma blasts as like a machine gun um, for destruction. What about you?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Master Chief is definitely going to use this environment to his advantage. I think he's going to bring a sniper as well. Uh, maybe a shotgun if he does come in, cl- in tight, close quarters with Commander Shepard. Mm-hmm. And I think Shepard, you know, he's going to bring, uh, he's going to be preparing for more of a, an all-out battle approach or an all-out mm-hmm. battle fight. And so he brings more of like the assault rifle and pistol thing as opposed to being able to scout from afar. Yeah, And I think that's to his detriment. You know, I think uh, Master Chief finds a nice place to perch up in the village and Commander Shepard is just kind of... Uh, walking around the beach trying to find Master Chief. Can't seem to find him. And once Master Chief uh, finds his shot, he takes it. He doesn't miss because he rarely does. And I think uh, Commander Shepard meets his end.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for I would see a similar outcome for Master Chief pulling ahead from a long-distance shot. Really, his like plasma blasts, his cloaking could do well. But it is a more tactical approach opposed to, or Shepard's better, I would say, close range opposed to long range. Mm. Um, so with Chief posted up, yeah, he definitely, it, it by the time Commander Shepard sees the glimmer in his sniper's sight, it's it's all over. He maybe yeah. gets one or two shots off, but he's, he's very much dead. Yep,
1: I'm with you, man. Alrighty, well, we're just moving right along here. And this next one I have is uh, Ryu, or Ryu from the Ninja Gaiden series. Yes. Versus Riddick, Vin Diesel himself. I think this is almost the Battle of the Assassins. I kind of like this. Yes. And uh, where, are they, where are they going
0: down here, Ryan? They are facing off number nine, going right down the uh <laughs> All right, so
1: we're going to uh, Grand Pulse, which is, of course, the Final Fantasy XIII field there's not a lot of room to hide here. This is really a test of true skill, which I like. I think that's very, that's a very appropriate setting for for two assassins to kind of just go hand-to-hand. There's no hiding. Mm-hmm. They're typically... They, uh, they they take advantage of their foes with the use of stealth mechanics. They can't really do that here because there's nowhere to hide. And uh, so where do you see them
0: bring into battle and how do you see this ultimately going down? Hmm. Well, I, I think Riddick has the... The blades, obviously, um, or just knives. I don't think he has any other real weapons. Um, And then I think Ryu's bringing in probably dual katanas and some shurikens. Wow, dual Uh, katanas. Yes. So he's the option of just a singular or dual. And I think he'll bring dual just in case. Um, Vin Diesel's pretty skilled with his dagger, so I think he could block a lot of blades. But it's going to be hard for for Riddick to get in close to go after Ryu. Reed, mm-hmm. Wow, we could say it every <laughs> different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think after sparring for a little bit daggers versus katanas Ryu's gonna uh, jump back, throw a few shurikens um, before charging in Naruto style mm. and um, lobbing off some limbs of Vin Diesel. I think the shurikens are enough to disorient in between the the clashing to take down this titan. Yeah, I'm with you.
1: I don't see uh, a scenario where uh, Riddick comes out of this alive. I think very much so that uh, Ryu is much more nimble and swift. He's just got a a greater quickness to him. And Vin Diesel is kind of like The Rock trying to run a marathon. It just doesn't really work. Uh, It's going to look really bizarre. Because he's just a really big dude, and I think Ryu's size definitely plays to his advantage here, and he uses his ninja skills uh, to definitely overthrow uh, uh, Riddick here. And but I'm with you; I think this is a pretty extensive fight. I think Ryu does get some scrapes, especially with those Ulok blades. You know, Riddick gets a few great blocks and counters in there, uh, throws uh, Ryu off of his game just a smidge. But I think eventually uh, Vin Diesel gets a little tired out because he's made for the uh, the strength and not the endurance. And that's yeah. how Ryu uh, takes advantage.
0: He runs out of calories to consume. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Moving on to uh, Big Daddy versus Joanna. That's an interesting one. This is really interesting because I obviously have an extreme
1: bias towards Joanna. Like, I I really want her to go all the way. And I would certainly love to see her in a Final Four situation with Aloy. But this is going to be a difficult fight. And I think certainly the environment is going to play a heavy influence into who ends up winning. So where are these people fighting? Number five. Okay, they're going to Hyrule Castle. Of course, this is the modeled N64 Smash Brothers map. You got those blue little tornadoes going on. Uh, no mm. items falling from the sky, so it's not like she's going to be able to throw like a Goldeen Pokemon at yeah, Big Daddy or anything Lupia like that. Yeah,
0: comes out <laughs> <laughs> It just Aeroblast the entire stage. Yeah, I <sighs>
1: I wish something like that could take place, but yeah, I don't I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, this is rough. I, I think the the stage has the potential to do in Joanna. I, I see Big Daddy's armor as super tanky can probably tank the bullets that uh, Joanna's going to throw at him or her. We don't know what mm-hmm. his big daddy is. Probably a guy. And um, the electricity is going to be h- tough to dodge for Joanna. Um, the nimbleness doesn't really come into play. I mean, or the tornadoes. I mean, she she could probably tire out Big Daddy. But I think ultimately she's going to be struck down by Bolt of lightning to the chest. Okay, so
1: you see Joanna uh, losing this battle, then?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So I, I see the opposite taking place because I think the difference between Joanna and Big Daddy is that Joanna has the ability to jump. So there's a few different platforms that she can get up on and avoid in uh, dodge the lightning strikes or the plasmid strikes of Big Daddy because it doesn't have an extreme reach. The plasmids, you know, it's it's rather short length. So as long as she can kind of get out of the way. I think what she does is she hops onto those three platforms in the center of the level, right? Mm-hmm. Big Daddy doesn't understand what's going on. She does kind of like a dive roll, dodge type of deal into that little um, almost gazebo-like place on the far right side of the map. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And and then she whips out a Slayer, which I don't know if you know what that is. I but do But in the World of Perfect Dark, that is a user-controlled missile, and so oh. she's going to shoot the Slayer, and then you have a first-person view of the missile. She kind of almost does a complete 180 with the bullet, comes right back towards uh, Big Daddy. He has no idea what's going on, hits him. At this point, his Smash Brothers percentage is at like 250%, so he gets <laughs> yeah. hit. And then he flies off the other Doesn't side of the map, it. and my girl
0: Joanna reigns supreme. All right, so maybe she does have a chance at the uh, the final four. I think she does.
1: All right, so we keep moving right along here. This is round three, Ryan. This is, I guess, what we consider, what, the Elite Eight, I think? Yeah. This is the
0: Elite Eight. Or no, this is, is this 16 or 8? Because there'd be four times four, right? This is the sweet 16. Because we're at the final four for this fourth.
1: We don't have to get the calculators out. Let's all just right, say math it's the next battle, all right?
0: We got four <laughs> contestants left in Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Um... All right, so who do you have facing off for this battle? I got Frank versus Chief.
1: All right, so I have Marcus Phoenix in Master Chief. And uh, where is this battle going to take place?
0: This is going to take place in number two.
1: Freeze Peak. This is interesting Mm. because I feel like the elements aren't really going to affect either one, given that uh, they're both pretty armored up.
0: Yeah, I mean, for you, Frank is a, a fragile man. And I don't know if his accessory is going to be a jacket from, uh, like, Home Depot or something. But, yeah, Frank, I think the Chief's armor is going to do him well in this environment. And he still has the mobility. He's He's gone to Alien Planet, so he's fine. Um, I think Frank's going to struggle in this one. Um, and I, you're not going to be buying a sniper rifle at a in a, a mall. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen a sniper rifle in a mall, so... He's going to it's going to no. be hard for him to get some range on chief. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, with Marcus Phoenix and and, and Master Chief, this is like the ultimate battle of Braun. Yeah. Um, they're both armored up. They both have some pretty powerful weapons. And I think this is a literal. I mean, obviously, each fight is a fight to the death here. But I think both of these guys are on near life support at the end of this battle. Just shooting back and forth, grenades back and forth. And I think at the very end, this is a battle of fists and I guess swords. I think, you know, uh, Marcus Phoenix has his chainsaw machine gun and that's brought up against a plasma sword. And at the end of it all, I think Master Chief nearly, just barely reigns supreme because he pulls out at the very end of the battle the OG Halo 1 pistol, pops both Mm. Marcus Phoenix kneecaps, and then at the end drills him with
0: the plasma sword i mean, i i really picture a fisticuff looking like two silverback gorillas like fighting over a mate like that's how i picture marcus <laughs> versus master chief just like just pretty much their chest and just colliding you know
1: yeah if you've seen uh the legend of tarzan yeah um with margot exactly. robbie a couple couple years back it's kind of like one of those scenes yeah for sure yeah
0: so, for Frank versus Chief, I don't think this is much of a fight. I mean, I think the best that Frank can do for range is probably a hunting rifle. Um, and then Chief, he's armored to the gills. He's probably got a bubble shield. So, some of those pist- those rifle shunts aren't going to really matter. Um, so, he's got a battle rifle and probably the pistol as well, the OG. And uh, Frank's got the hunting rifle. He's got a jacket on. And I don't know, I I think a baseball bat for close range, but you can't really fight against the the power of the uh, Spartan armor. So yeah, Yeah. the the shots from the battle rifle are are probably going to weaken Frank. He's going to get shot once or twice from range um, as he's freezing and bleeding out, um, slowly losing his inhibition to go on. Uh, Chief's going to come by and just snap his neck. No need to get uh, damn, super crazy. So, All right. That's, yeah, Chief that's moves pretty, on.
1: Well, plus, I feel like, you know, Frank, he's going to be in a place where his fingertips are going to be frozen. His mouth yep. is going to be, it's going to be hard to move. You know, if you're out in the cold for too long, your face just starts freezing up and yeah. your hands almost become numb. And so for him to actually wield a weapon or, you know, pull a trigger to a gun or swing a baseball bat, it's going to be nearly impossible. But Chief, he's in a, a nice hot suit. It's nice and toasty. His buns are getting warm. He's not struggling. <laughs> yeah. Struggling in the, in you the just cold. Chill
0: out there and wait for him to freeze, Bob. Yeah, yeah, Chief for, for sure.
1: All right. So Master Chief moves on for me as well, and then this next one, this is a, a really interesting battle. I think we have Ryu and Joanna Dark for me, and I think this is another one where the the environment, the landscape, will be uh, very telling of who ends up winning. So who do you have fighting first of all?
0: I have big D- or Ryu versus Big Daddy, and then Ryu f- versus, wow, yeah, that's an interesting one, and they're fighting number three back to blood Gulch, oh
1: wow, Ooh. yeah, Ryu has no doesn't stand a chance here,
0: <laughs> yeah, I in, in my eyes, I mean, I think this is
1: another scenario where Joanna brings her farsight. she has her dual cyclones just in case things get a little tight quarters. But I mean, Ryu has nothing from a distance outside of his shurikens and maybe a bow and arrow. And in a map like Blood Gulch, he's going to be long gone and dead before he even considers locking a bow or throwing a shuriken or even finding Joanna. Because the moment they say go, she's already whipping out the Farsight, finding and scanning the map to see where he's at. And once she sees the heat of his body moving along the map, no matter where he is,
0: She's picking him off. Okay. Yeah, I I saw that going similar. Um, And then for Ryu, for me versus Big Daddy, I mean, if Big Daddy's bringing the drill and some plasmids and uh, Ryu's got his, he's going to go single katana this time. um, But I I think the big thing that's going to help him is, I mean, once they close the distance, I mean, Big Daddy is a pretty close range and Ryu as well. Um, so they'll meet center of the the two bases, um kind of showdown style. And I think he Ryu can dodge the the electrical blast from Big Daddy, um, but he's going to be mm-hmm. able to summon that ice storm, which is going to brittle the armor, making it weak enough to be impaled by Ooh. Ryu. So okay. W- where the bullets didn't succeed with Joanna, I think the the brittling from the sheer cold uh, weakens Big Daddy enough to be impaled and killed. I like so, that. That's, yeah. I think that's a good way for Big Daddy to go out. Yeah, I mean, he took down Joanna, which is no small feat, but yeah, the elements in that tank armor is you can't do it. So the final fight for me is going to be Master Chief versus Ryu. Ryu. That's an interesting one, Uh, and it's Master Chief versus
1: Joanna Dark for me. And so where are these very interesting characters fighting it out for the final Xbox battle? Number six. Mute City. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be interesting. So what do you have uh, Master Chief and Ryu bringing to the (laughs) the battle here?
0: It's such a close range. um, I think Chief has to bring a sword, the plasma sword. Ryu's probably going to bring the same... and This one's not good for Ryu. Uh, the elemental attacks are not going to do jack shit to Chief. Um, so a yes. firestorm or a tornado, they're not really going to affect, similar to his battle in Freezy Peak. Um, and I think Ryu, as a last-ditch effort, is going to go in, um, start chipping away at Chief's Spartan armor, but he's not going to make much progress because that stuff's built to last. It's it's for tough. Um, <laughs> they, uh, Ryu's going to take a swing with his blade or as he's losing energy, and Chief is just going to grab the sword and just crush the blade and break it in half, grab one of the shards, and just plunge it into Ryu's neck, ending the fight. Dang, that is some pretty intense stuff. Yeah. So... Definitely Chief, I think is a fitting way to uh to end out the Xbox bracket for me. Definitely the staple. What about you?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's very fitting that Master Chief comes out on top for Xbox. Um, but that's of course not what goes down for me. All right. So Joanna, she's not going home easy. Uh no one's ever really gone, as we (laughs) recently found out in an Xbox showcase where or the game awards. We found out Perfect Dark was back. So is back to, you know, there's I see three particular platforms in Mute City that is hopping between trying to find a way to uh, best Master Chief. And what she ultimately ends up doing is she brings a laptop gun to the fight. OK. All right. And so in the midst of all this oncoming traffic kind of looping back and forth on this track, she tosses a laptop gun onto one of the cars And so as the car is going around in circles, it's shooting Master Chief. So he's constantly got to be on his toes dodging these bullets of the laptop gun because it's a sentry thing. Yeah. You know, and it's motion sensitive. So every time it comes around the track and it sees Master Chief, it's going to shoot at him. So in the midst of all of this, she's planting proximity mines on the different platforms that he's not aware of because his attention is drawn to the laptop sentry gun on these cars. And in the midst of all of that, she, of course, brings dual Phoenix pistols to the battle. And when he's in proximity to the proximity (laughs) mine, not close enough to set it off, she double taps one of the mines. He doesn't explode, but the blast and the impact of it causes him to fall off one of the platforms. And then when the oncoming traffic comes back, not only is he trampled by like 15, 20 cars, he's still getting shot by a laptop sentry gun. As it's all going down, and so because of that, Master Chief meets his ultimate end, and unfortunately passes away while Joanna Dark, my girl, reigns supreme.
0: Thanks, John, for your service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Spartan armor can hold up against what cars going three hundred miles per hour, like fifteen of them back to back. That's at least it's a concussion. It's definitely gonna put that uh, a rough concussion. Yeah.
1: It's going to definitely test that uh, Ford-built-tough-whatever phrase to the to the test. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that is a rather interesting end of the bracket. I think, you know, uh, when we do get to the final four, it'll be really interesting to see um, Aloy fight uh, Joanna Dark, especially... I mean, I think every time, the level definitely has a heavy influence in how the battle goes down. I think down. so, too. Uh, so, that'll be interesting. But then, uh, it would have been really fascinating though if you had Ryu winning because then you would have had Jin Sakai versus Ryu
0: yeah I mean Jin Sakai versus Master Chief could be interesting though I I think that that'd be a good battle Um, I I think Jin's gonna have to find a way through that Spartan armor and that's gonna be the main kind of issue but he's got more at his disposal he's got smoke bombs and more elusive ghost weapons so it'll be a good fight
1: yep for sure I also think, Ryan, this might be a pretty decent stopping point, just given how crazy of an episode this has been in terms of the recording setup. Uh, I just want to be careful and make sure that we have all of our bases covered and can get at least one somehow pieced together episode complete. And then when we come back next week, we can make a crazy long day out of talking through the Nintendo side of the bracket, talking through the Square Enix side of it, Going through our final four, the final battle, who ends up reigning supreme and taking the platinum trophy home and, you know, walking home with their life. And then we can also have another call out for the listeners to write in with their brackets. And uh, we'll just make a big old three, three and a half hour episode out of it. What do you say?
0: Yeah, that sounds good to me. Better safe than sorry at this point. I think we spent more like four times (laughs) the uh, recording time dealing with audio. Yeah, we'll be back next week for sure with the uh, the final four and the final two pieces. Definitely. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for, for listening.
1: Thank you for um, sticking with us. Uh, this has literally been like 12 hours of Ryan and I trying to figure all this out between Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so hopefully this this episode is is coming to you with some entertainment and keeping you um, company on this Sunday afternoon or Monday or just throughout the week, whenever you get an opportunity to listen to the show. We definitely much appreciate it. And as we've been saying these past two weeks, we would love to hear your complete bracket, even if you don't send every single battle and who wins. We'd love to hear what your final four is and then who ends up t- taking it all home and who ends up winning it. And you can send that bracket in to podcast at gmail.com. Or, if you're not already in our Discord, you definitely should click that little link in the show notes, pop in there, say hello, introduce yourself, get in on the fun discussions, Uh, because Ryan and I have more game nights planned in the future. We did put a lot of that on the back burner, including the potential watch parties, just because uh, there's just a lot going on right now, and putting this bracket together was uh, much more of an effort than you would be led to believe, so... We'll get back to the game nights and watch parties here once we wrap up all of the bracket stuff. But once again, please send in your complete brackets. We would love to hear what you think. And certainly, write us a little note too if you definitely disagree with uh, the choices that we made. I know in Discord I was getting some heat about how I did uh, the boy Solid Snake dirty for a lot of the Metal Gear Solid fans out there. But, Ryan, that is a wrap As we always do on the Otaku Brothers podcast, I turn it back to you to see if you have any parting
0: words for the lovely listeners out there. Yeah, I guess to reiterate, just write in with your brackets and uh, prepare for the four-day week if you guys have good Friday off and the finale of the bracket. So, yeah, have a good one. All right, everyone. Stay healthy, be
1: well, and we will see you next week for the conclusion of the Otaku Brothers March Madness Bracket.